Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen around the world. It is once again time for the podcast. This is episode number 60, and I am one of your hosts, Josh, brought to you, uh, as always, with Mr. What's-His-Face over there. The guy that's always in Facebook jail. Yeah, yeah, the perennial inmate. What's up, fellow? Oh, man. not much, buddy. How you doing? Uh, chilling, chilling. We're doing this. Uh, we're doing this crazy thing on a different day than we usually do. Yep, and uh, I will take full credit for that. Um, I've been working a lot of overtime in healthcare, so uh, that being the case, I have not had time to really focus my attention on other things. So I have to actually this week, and I had to make time. And I didn't really want you to go solo by yourself on Friday because this is something you and I both talked about, I guess, uh, tag teaming. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those deals where, yeah, I mean, it's, we, like, I mean, here we are. Like, I mean, today was the earliest I could um, attend the show. And I have to work again tonight. So, but damn it, all of you people, you mean that much to me. And, you know, they say, Anticipation increases the appetite. Is that what they say? I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for my girlfriend. I mean, but it's like I, I hear that's supposed to be the uh, the thing. Okay, but it is what it is, you know. <laughs> well, so we have uh, quite the show for you tonight. We're going to talk about this this crazy little thing called the A list and. You know what? Some of these actors get paid a lot of money. The question is, is it worth it? Absolutely, and that's um, and that's exactly it. Like, um, and the thing is, and it's not so black and white with act, with an actor's salary. And we're not talking about the um, 
up and coming. We're not talking about like, you know, the ones that are trying to work their way to the top or anything like that. We're talking about the established actors, the A-list, as Josh put it, celebrities. And, you know, it's like how uh, Will Smith was paid. I think he was paid a hundred million dollars to come back as Agent J for Men in Black 3. Um, now, it's not like he was offered it up front, I don't believe. It was like, um, you know, because, I mean, they, Men in Black, it's not like it was like a $500 million film. But his total revenue and everything else, like, I'm sorry, his total profit from the movie was $100 million. Um, but, yeah, so it was like, but you have actors like Robert Downey Jr., who I think was paid like $50 million to reprise his role as Iron Man. Um in the MCU to continue mm-hmm. it. So. Definitely got to get warmed up here. It's, it's been a minute. Weird things happen when we spend, you know, less than, oh, seven days um, talking about the next, next topic. Let's, let's get into it. Let's warm up. Let's, Let's uh before we break it all down, let's have you watched anything good lately? How about that? We'll we'll lead off with that. Have I watched anything good lately? I haven't even been able to uh, I haven't even had time to really breathe lately. Uh no. Um The Queen's Gambit. Oh, and Brian says tell Josh thanks for the bio. Uh shit. Uh Brian, I have my bio. I'll shoot it over to you right now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've been busy, man. Like, I mean that's just like that is how insane my last, like, oh, God, three weeks have been. Um, oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, so it's just been, uh, my, I guess, the Queen's Gambit. It took me three weeks to watch all seven episodes. But I finally wrapped it this past week. Okay. And I didn't expect much of the Queen's Gambit. Um, as much as I love playing chess, I, I adore that game. Um, I I thought it was a fascinating show. Well, I'm going to go um, ahead and say you're welcome for the bio, Brian. And I will talk about something that... I I watched. I watched today. I watched Pig the Nicolas Cage movie that is now the highest uh, received critically in his filmography. So that it's the highest reviewed movie that he's ever done. Let's see. I've I've actually gone on, you know, summer's ending. And pretty soon I'm not going to have a ton of time to watch movies. Because yeah. I got to go back to work, and I I don't like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah I'm I'm not a fan of of I mean I love working don't get me wrong, but I'm not ready for it because yeah. I never stopped working this summer. Usually, you know, I'm I'm taking some time off and and doing my stuff. Well, which is usually nothing, but yeah, I'm I've I've been acting, I've been doing a ton of writing, I've been producing po- more podcasts than ever before, and it really doesn't feel like that I've had any 
time off. And the first day of school is Tuesday, and I already feel like I'm burnt out. <laughs> hasn't even started yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. But, you know, so so for over the last few days, I've been trying to squeeze in as, as many films as I could to keep up with the, the momentum of my my New Year's resolution to average one movie per day for the year. And I, I watched Pig. I watched uh, both of the new Jumanji movies. I watched The Suicide Squad. I watched Nobody. I watched The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. And I watched Spiral. I think I watched The Forever Purge a few days ago. Spiral. But, I, I, you know what? I still... I, okay, I watched I watched Spiral a little while back, and it just... I, I couldn't do it. Could not do it. Did you see what I posted about it in the movie addiction group? Uh, no. Okay, basically my my short review of it was that, you know what? It was a solid story with a lot of cringe and <laughs> Chris Rock's face when he tries to like, you know, he when he's thinking about something like connecting the dots is is absolutely hilarious, although unintentionally. Yeah, no, like and I noticed that too because like with Chris Rock like I mean we all know Chris Rock as a com- like comedic genius. I think he's hysterical. And com- comedians have this way of um, being able to transition to dramatic roles almost flawlessly. Um, you know, as we and you and I have talked about that, right? Like, I mean, Adam Sandler, um, you know, Jim Carrey. I mean, hell, Brian, uh, if you're still on the, uh, if you're still uh, listening to us right now, buddy. I mean, even you, like, with seeing how you were in uh, Relish. But watching you on uh, like uh, the uh, the briefcase, or even you know in like the bad agent, like you know it's like how he can actually play very dramatic roles. Um, but like but I mean Chris Rock, I, I don't, I, I said his face like. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it because it was it was hysterical, but it wasn't meant to be hysterical. Very true. Very true. Here we go. And, uh, and uh, Brian, real quick, so I'm shooting you my bio right now, buddy. I laughed every time. Sorry. That's not to say that his performance was bad because there was that. Um. That walk and talk down the subway that that was done in one shot. Oh yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Oh yeah, no, like no, there were some there were some awesome shots in it. It just it just didn't do it for me. And mind you, again, I've said this before, I'm not a fan of sequels. Um I'm barely a fan of TV shows that have more than one season. Like miniseries, great. You know, love miniseries. Invest um, in time. Why? Well, it's well. I mean, if it's a new show, it's one of those deals where you know it, it's it's a gamble because at the rate that shows get canceled, 
You know, I mean, I, I remember the last time I got heartbroken by a show, and people make fun of me for this, but it was from the uh, the Terminator TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, because I was really into that show. And the cliffhanger was John Connor shooting off into the future. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, we're going to see what uh, John Connor is like in the future. Or whatever. <laughs> and no, never never saw that. Never got a... Never got any kind of uh, closure from that one. I feel the same about heard, my Josh. name is Earl. Oh yeah, that one too. Yeah, we never found out. Like we were supposed to find out. Like you know, the baby have answers, but they never came. <laughs> hilarious though. Um, it, it's it's a terrible, especially when you spend so much time investing in, into a bunch of characters and then they just yank the show away. But uh, oh, yeah. as, as far as Spiral goes, I will put it out there that the ending is, I thought it was so pitch perfect. It was so eloquent. I liked it a lot. Everything else was kind of, you know, eh, you know it, it, it's, it's what it is. It's a detective slash song movie, whatever. Are we, are we going to spoil the ending? No. Because I feel, I think it's still fairly new enough to where we shouldn't have to break it down, especially when that's not what tonight's episode's about. We we oh, okay should talk about though that as you said before, Chris Rock is a star. Yep. Nice transition. And, thank you. And. <laughs> When it comes to something like Spiral, I'm, uh, let's see. I'm just going to go ahead and look up. The box office numbers real quick. It has a 15.8 million dollar take. In the U.S., sixteen uh, 6.7 internationally for a box office total of 22 and a half. Million? Million. What was the budget on it? Let's see. Oh, now it has a, a global box office of 38.3. Look up the budget real quick. Spiral. Doing research, doing research. Budget twenty million, so it made its money back. Barely. Barely. It, it wasn't exactly the box office success. It was kind of like a box office. Oh, okay. Well, I got I got a uh, scratch off uh, for twenty bucks, and I won. Uh, you know. I won twenty, like I won thirty bucks, so they really won like ten bucks there. But um, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, mind you, Saw. I'm conflicted because with Saw, and I know this is not the point of the uh, of our uh, episode tonight, but with Saw, the one that cost the least to make should have been the only one because it was the best one. Everything after that to me was just torture porn. 
I like horror films and I don't mind gore, but it, I mean, honestly, like the story was all there in Saw one. At the very least, I should have stopped it after Saw three. And then that, and I've said that before on the show and I'll always stick by that. But either way, but uh, yeah, so uh, does it say anything about Chris Rock's salary? Because I can't imagine it being like a very high salary, especially since he produced it. He did a lot to make that happen. I would imagine that he would uh, sacrifice a large chunk of what he would get paid just to make that uh, movie a possibility. Well, let's see. Uh, open the second as I'm reading this. Oh, well, no. I'm not really seeing anything for his money. But again, okay. he, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one that produced it. Basically got it made, and I imagine he took most of his money off the back end. Yeah. Now, Sam Jackson, on the other hand. <laughs> this guy is the second highest grossing actor you know as far as his films go it seems like when when he shows up you're you're pretty much guaranteed to make some money right well everyone i mean everyone just wants to hear him yell it's fair but he also winds up in a lot of things that you'd never expect to see him in oh yeah yeah no i mean he's He's in uh, quite a few really good movies. I mean, he's in, like, I mean, and honestly, I've got to say, his brief appearance in Deep Blue Sea, where you think he's going to be like the brains that's going to save everybody, and then, you know, out of nowhere, he did. But even, like, in the other guys, like, I mean, he got paid a decent amount of money for the other guys, and him and The Rock both. And they were in it for all of what, like, I think, uh, just really the opening scenes of it before they jumped off the building to their death. But, but no, there's, but I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Like, I mean, the more I looked into things this past, um, the past week with the time I had, uh, there are reasons as to why actors are paid like the top level actors are paid so much money. There's multiple reasons. Um, I mean, the biggest one is pretty much like just, there are a lot of people that are willing to pay them that much. I mean, they want them in their projects. I mean, whether it's a commercial or, or whatever else, I mean, that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to bring up because yeah, actors get paid a lot of money for, you know, well, you know, top celebrities get paid a lot of money for things like commercials as well as, of course, movies and TV shows. And the number one reason, I think, to pay somebody that kind of money is to get eyes on your project, right? Yeah. Now, it doesn't always necessarily turn into ticket sales. I mean, especially if you're a commercial, you're not exactly, you know, quantifying their part the way you would say a film you would hope for an uptick in business but it's it's hardly a one-to-one uh, between the two things 
Now, the funny thing is, I have I have here a list of the highest grossing movies of all time, right? Okay. And you would think the highest grossing movies would have the biggest stars. I mean... Right? Now, are you talking about highest grossing movies as far as, like, made the most or made the most in comparison to their budget? Made the most. Okay. So, number one, because they happen to uh, reclaim their title with another re-release, Avatar. Now... Yeah, that whole petty thing. I remember all that. They re-released it just so they could get it back up there, being that, uh, what was it, um, Avengers Endgame, Endgame, I think, beat them. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Now, would you say that Avatar, (laughs) honestly, I haven't seen Avatar, but Hmm. would you say Avatar was a movie... That was driven by star power, or was it driven by effects? I would say it was driven by more just like the special effects. Like, I mean, it was a beautiful film, but I mean, Sam Worthington was not a well-known name. I think I think he might have done. I think Clash of the. I, I don't remember if it was Avatar or Clash of the Titans came out. Um, I don't remember which one came out first, but he wasn't really a big name. Zoe Saldana, she was kind of known. Sigourney Weaver was the biggest name attached to that film with a few other people um, involved. But, you know, just honestly, if you've never seen Avatar, just go watch Pocahontas. It's about the same thing. It's just Pocahontas on another planet with a different species where, you know, a human kind of. Makes whoopee with the uh, other species and stays. But uh, I would say it was like, yeah, sorry for that. Uh, it was, <laughs> I would say it was more of um, like a special effects driven thing. Like I said, it was a beautiful film. It was a, it was a cool story. I'm not going to knock the story. James Cameron is a visionary uh, and he's a very prolific director, but. Looking back on it, it, it it wasn't anything overly special to me. It's a story that we've seen told many times. Fern Gully dances with wolves, Pocahontas, whatever you want to, you know, paint it as. It's something that's been done before, and it certainly wasn't exactly the sole reason for the box office that it got. I think the Visual effects are what drove that film to be what it was. People watched it, and then they watched it again and watched it again. It was, from what I understand, very mind-blowing at the time, and that's fine. Yeah. I think the biggest name attached to it was probably James Cameron. People wanted to see a James Cameron visual spectacular, especially after you know coming off of... 
what Titanic was before that? Uh, think so. Probably. I think I, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Titanic was what, like ninety seven, ninety eight? I think something like that. Um, Avatar was two thousand ten or eleven. Two thousand nine. Is that when it came out? Yeah. Yeah, 2009. My lord. You know, it cracks me up. Like, Stephen Lang. First off, I love Stephen Lang. That man is straight-up talent right there. I, I adore that man's acting. And between Avatar, Don't Breathe, I mean, he is... I think he's fantastic. But what cracks me up is... There was an interview recently where he says, like, Oh, yeah, um, I wept when I read uh, the Avatar 5 script. I'm like, well... <laughs> It's like, uh, Mr. Cameron, could you please stop writing out your movies and just start making them? (laughs) (laughs) Like, take a cue from George Lucas and uh, the original Holy Trilogy. And make three of them and tell people you have more? Yeah. Yeah, just lie. Lie. Yeah, I've got everything uh, <clears throat> planned out. <laughs> Star Wars comes out. Hey, do you have any more of these movies? Uh, yeah, I got at least two more, maybe five more. Really? Can we get them made? I'm sure we could make the next couple, no problem. But, you know, the the next ones, they're so technologically advanced, I'm not sure if we can really do it. So... <laughs> I'm gonna need another, oh man another box of wine. I mean another uh, another fifteen years, and we'll get around to the around to episode one. <laughs> and then we'll need about you know ten more years after we wrap up uh, part three. Oh wait, okay, ten years later. Oh, Disney is oh, okay. <laughs> you mean I don't have to pretend I already wrote these anymore? <laughs> Oh, man. So, um, number two okay. on the so. highest grossing films of all time is, of course, Avengers Endgame. And the difference between the two movies at number one and number two is so small that you can imagine Endgame's going to take the record once again once they find any sort of excuse at all to re-release it. But the the biggest difference between Avatar and Endgame is Endgame, Avengers Endgame, did have a ton of big names. Here's the thing, though. The the vast majority of the big names are big names because of those roles. And I know Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, you know, um, all of them were already something before any Avengers role. Yeah, but Robert Downey Jr. was on a, we'll say a, a little bit of a lull, right? Before he became Marvel's, you know, bad boy Tony Stark, he was Hollywood's bad boy, uh, Robert Downey Jr., the guy that might wake up on your couch. Um, <laughs> it's not funny, but it's, you know, oh man. 
And Scarlett Johansson, popular, you know, <coughs> young actress. Uh, you know, everybody was somebody. Sam Jackson was somebody. But after Avengers, they became household names for everybody. Yeah. So I'm not saying... And I'm not saying the Avengers created these people because, like like I just mentioned, that is not the case. But they... This, this might sound like a hot take, but I don't think they were the reason specifically why it became the second highest grossing movie of all time. If they replaced all of the actors for some reason yeah it it would have hurt uh yeah. box office sales because it would be insane but i think at that point in time after so many years of building up this very specific story it was more the draw of the story it was the Marvel brand that put butts in seats more so than the individual actors themselves. Yeah. It's a really weird situation where you maybe can't exactly say whether your investment in the actors was a good return on investment. I mean, it's the second gross, second highest gross, grossing movie of all time. So, no, you're 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 not going to say, could we have done something different? No, no, you're you're, you're not going to say that because the results speak for themselves. But I think the forgive the the expression here, but the paradigm has kind of shifted. It seems like people aren't exactly lining up to watch their favorite actors in movies anymore. People yeah. love Ryan Reynolds. People love Sam Jackson. Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. Um, I, I don't see it really moving any any meters. I don't. I don't see it uh, topping any lists. You know, as far as money. Is, and, and is these that out guys, now? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I don't see it doing these things. And, and the fact that you had to ask, is it out? Yes. Yeah. So it seems like when people want to go to the theater, now that in a lot of cases they can, they're going to see movies with characters that they love more so than specifically actors. Yeah, but I mean, but if you come off of, like, the franchises or, you know, like, anything Marvel-related, like, where, like, you know, people flock to the theaters to see the Marvel films, mm -hmm. Star Wars films, anything, like, Star Wars-related, people go absolute ape shit over it. But if you look at things, like, you know, with um, certain actors... Okay, like now there are different things that go into how actors make their money. So you have to say like, okay, well, 
is this actor work, worth it? Jack Nicholson made a killing through his contractual deals, and that's another part that you know people don't think of. Contracts and negotiations. Jack Nicholson, when he played the Joker, uh, ne- negotiated with the uh, studio for I forget how much he made um, up front or during production uh, to play the role. Six million. But uh, was it six million? But I mean, but he also negotiated uh, top billing. Which is why you see his name before Michael Keaton's name on um, on the posters, uh, but then he also had a percentage of the uh, not just the gross, but with the merchandising. So he made a killing uh, through his pay and like involvement in uh, Batman 1989 through that alone. But you have people like Emma Stone, who she's not exactly like she's not a nobody by any means, but um. You know, for her involvement with, uh, what was it, uh, La La Land, with um, Ryan uh, Gosling. She was paid 20, $26 million for her, for that role. That, that's a pretty, you know, pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's a, that's a lot of money. Um, and it's just like, it's not like she, I don't think she had, like, uh, back-end deals. I think with her, like, that's what she was offered for that role, just in general. Um. But like you know, you have people like Ryan Reynolds, um, Adam Sandler made a killing through Netflix alone. Um, I think he made like a couple hundred million dollars through his deals with Netflix. Oh yeah, um, he, he killed it. But it's like then on top of that, you have to think. Um, oh, even look at um, Dwayne Johnson when he homes something. Like he has a lot of like uh, what was it? Uh, Black Adam. He is a big reason why Black Adam is uh, coming to life. Um, but with him, he, yeah, he's making a lot of money, but there's also lots of checks that he has to write out as well. And then on top of that, when these people make so much money, there's also, they're in the, like, they're in a higher tax bracket as well. So, I mean, like what they're making isn't exactly what they're making. Like they're making like a percentage of that because, you know, a chunk of it's going to the, you know, to Uncle Sam. But uh, you have a lot of people like, uh, what was the one I was looking at earlier? Uh, I think it was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator 3. Um, I think, uh, what do you call it? Um, he got paid, let me, here, I have the notes here. Um, 29 and tw- 29 million. point, yeah, tw- yeah $29.25 million for a uh, pay or play fee, um, which he would make regardless of whether or not the movie was made. Like, what? It's a pretty damn good deal. <laughs> hey, we can't make the movie. I want to be back. <laughs> okay, Arnold, here's your $29 million. You're missing $250,000. <laughs> oh, here you go, Arnold. Thank you. <laughs> he just walks out and, you know. Um, but you have a lot of these people, like, they make a lot of money. Um... Does, does it say who the highest... Uh, is it The Rock that made the most money? The Rock is currently the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Oh, steadily. Steadily paid. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, like, well, some of the, with Will Smith earlier, because I remember... Oh, go ahead. Now, if you look at the stream, you'll see him. Maybe he, if he shows up, we'll get some of that, so... No, but um, 
with uh, Will Smith with uh, Men in Black 3. Because of his negotiations and everything else, um, you know, it was a performance-based uh, pay for uh, Men in Black 3. He ended up getting like $100 million of its overall gross, which I think uh, I wrote down was uh, $624,000. Oh, no, $624,000. Yeah, $624 million. So, I mean, like, that's... So, I mean, like, uh, going back to the question, though, are these actors worth it? Like, well, I mean, Will Smith didn't get paid nearly that much for Men in Black 1. No. You know, Will Smith, I mean, like, as he got as he got older, more experienced, and more seasoned, he started taking on more challenging roles. Um, I think his first big breakout, like, uh, big screen role was Independence Day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which then led into... Men in Black, Wild Wild West, and he started getting more and more things. To where now he can pretty much just like say what he wants to make. You don't question Will Smith's con- uh, contract and negotiate it, but he's going to tell you what he requires. But when it comes to the highest earning actors for like singular roles, a lot of this comes from movies that were made you know several several years ago before before the marvel thing really started taking over before franchises became the top of the box office pretty much before the highest grossing films of all time were all i mean let's face it Looking at the top ten um, Avatar, that's that's gonna be a, a franchise eventually, from what I understand. Someday, someday, uh, Avengers, Titanic. <laughs> was there was there anybody big in Titanic? Was 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 there anybody that's like, yeah, Leonardo well, DiCaprio? He was known for what Basketball Diaries and Growing Pains. So, I mean, you had uh, what was it? Uh, you had. Um... Oh God! Uh, Kathy Bates is the unsinkable uh, Molly Ka- Brown. Ka- Kathy Bates was in it. Um, you had uh, well, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet wasn't anybody yet. That's right. Uh, she was still uh, pretty new to the field herself. Billy Zane, was uh, the guy from Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah, it's one of Biff's, you know, buddies. Was he? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, God. It always comes down to Back to the Future with you. You know that? It does. Everything always comes back down to Back to the Future. <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching Nobody, and um, I was like, oh, Christopher Lloyd. Awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, when I saw him, I was like, man, Doc Brown got old. He did, but he looks amazing. Hey, he's still a badass. But then, the true um, Uncle Fester. But then after Titanic, you have Star Wars, Avengers, uh, Jurassic, Lion King. I'm not going to say it's so much a franchise as much as a movie. And then, what do they call it? A live-action remake? That doesn't make any sense. It's still a cartoon. What's but that? The Lion King. You know what? I, I, I have my reservations about that movie. And it's only because of the fact that I don't like being lied to. It's not live action. You know, Danielle asked me a long time ago, like, why it annoys me so much 
I didn't want to tell her. She pulled it out of me. And I told her, I was like, because I know it's not live action. She's like, well, they look real. I mean, they look pretty good. Like, it looks like it's live action. Like, it looks, but there's one thing, aside from them speaking English huh. and moving their mouths in ways that are unnatural, there's one big thing to me that tells me that it's not trained animals doing this. She's like, what's that? I was like, there's no buttholes or genitalia. That was the longest pause and silent judgmental stare I've ever gotten from that woman. I didn't want to tell her. I didn't want to say anything. Just wanted to enjoy the movie. But she just noticed this uh, disdain on my face. Not like I'm actually looking forward to seeing that on the screen, like flopping around my, from, from my face, but it's just like that's just how I knew it wasn't real. I looked. But you know what? I don't regret it, Josh. I do believe I'm doing a pretty good reproduction of the look on her face right now. <laughs> but you know what? I said this in the movie group that we're, mem that we're uh, members of on uh, Facebook, and I thought I would get more of a judgmental um, no, reception. Judging. No, I'm saying I thought I would get more of a judgmental reception from the people on, uh, on the movie addiction group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And actually, a lot of people sided with me on that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I noticed that, too. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so it wasn't the singing and dancing that threw you off as much as there were no... There were no lion logs or anything like that anywhere. The talking itself and, was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the fact that there were no chocolate starfish on... <laughs> God. Uh-huh. And you know what? I know my mom's not listening tonight because she would have already chimed in on that one. <laughs> oh, my God, Brandon. <laughs> well, you know what, Mom? You raised me. Yeah, <laughs> let, me let me speak for you, mother. Oh my god, Brandon. <laughs> you know what? I don't regret I don't regret any any of my thoughts or views or even saying that. I've had a long two and a half weeks right now. I'm blowing off steam in the most fun way I can think of outside of writing. I'm just glad that we can't I'm get good. thrown into Facebook jail for this show. No, no, but I so, but anyway. funny Fun fact, I am still under restriction right now. I'm on probation from Facebook jail. I cannot post anything live. So thank God you take care of all that in for the Wadcast because if it, if it was on me, it would not be able to happen for another 60 days. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I think it's time to just go ahead. Putting out hate speech huh? against dolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you see a, a little possessed demon good guys doll coming towards you with a butcher knife or whatever. Uh, don't kick it. Hug kick it. it. And hope to God he returns that affection. But if I may continue... Uh, go ahead. 
Uh, we have more Avengers movies, more... I mean, Furious 7 is in the top 10. Uh, Frozen 2, more oh, Avengers, God. more Avengers, Harry Potter, Star Wars, more Jurassic Park, uh, Disney, Disney, Disney Pixar, Fast and Furious. It's all a lot of the same, if not movies, but franchises and studios. None of these has the appearance of being a star-driven film. Yeah, well, I mean, mind you, with Harry Potter, I mean, the first two movies, you had a few prolific actors that were in them until the kids became of age and were the ones that really were the selling point of the movie, of the, of the franchise. You know, um... What's his face? Uh, kid that played Harry Potter. Well, I can't say kid because he's like a grown-ass man now, but... Daniel Radcliffe. Um, that's it. You know, he's... You know, these these kids were nobodies. They, they, they didn't have anything to their name. They had... The ones that did, they didn't have much because, I mean, they, you know, they were kids. But you had the actor who uh, played Dumbledore who was very prolific uh, on, on, like on stage and screen. For decades, mm-hmm. um, you have I me, mean, Chris. You had John Cleese just making like a guest appearance, basically in the movie as like one of the ghosts. Nearly headless Nick. But, yep. But um. So that, I mean, but there were actors. Uh, Hagrid, I, I forgot it's his name is on the tip of my tongue, but he's been around for decades. I mean, you have actors that are well known, but it's just, I mean. It just comes down to the fact that, like, you know, once the kids really sold the audiences, and now little kids went to go see Harry Potter for the kids. They don't know these, like, more prolific actors, but from a studio point of, you know, perspective, you know, you, you have these big names. Like, yeah, like, there's multiple entries in this series, uh, novel wise. So, of course, there's longevity should it be successful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but then, like, as the kids got older, the thing is, like, you know, like, of course, like, I mean, they started carrying the series, and these kids are now worth a ton of money. Um, Daniel Radcliffe has kind of gone the way of Nicolas Cage. No, oh, he's been not, a whole bunch of. That's not hey, I'm I'm not knocking Nick Cage. I think Nick Cage is brilliant, and I will say he's also very brave with his career. He he actually, granted, maybe his tax problems have kind of made him just like have to take certain roles. Like every but, role comes like his way. Hey, you know what? I don't care. Willie's Wonderland was brilliant. And so was Pig. But Pig, I still have to watch that. But for Daniel every, Radcliffe. Hold on. Have for, you for seen every uh, Willie's Wonderland, right? And for every um, Pig, there is also these these movies that he makes that. Aren't those like? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna pull this up real quick because I don't want to accidentally name a good movie in this example. Well, you had the movie with um with the Rapture. I forget the name of it. Left Based off the Kirk Cameron movie. That's it. That movie was horrible. Yeah. 
uh, Wicker Man. I think that was Snake pre- Eyes. Th- those were definitely pre IRS issues. No, no, Wicker Man was like I mean, Wicker Man was just bad to begin with anyway. Like I mean, it was just Nicholas Cage is. Uh, you know what? Willie's Wonder, I have not seen Pig, so I cannot comment on that movie yet. Uh, it looks good. It looks like, man, it's like John Wick for a homeless guy with a pig. But um, <clears throat> it's been a while since we've had Nicolas Cage from City of Angels. Or The Family Man. Let's see. How many movies has he been in since, say, 2010? He did one, two, three, four, five in 2011. (laughs) Three in 2013. Four in 2014. One, two, three, four, five in 2016. Always Uh, pay your taxes, kids. Six in 2017. One, two, it's five in 2018. Oh my and god. And one, two, three, four, five, six, six in 2019. Yeah. He's been like doing I said, a lot of work. Like I said, kids, always pay your taxes. <laughs> oh man. But no, but it's like. But going back to the topic of the show, like, are actors worth the insane amount of money that they make? There are actors that will, like, and mind you, like, there's also a certain level, and Brian actually introduced me to this. If there's a, um, like, with a budget, there are, there are actors that will actually take a certain pay level in accordance to what the budget is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are like, I think, what was that movie? Uh, Waiting with Ryan Reynolds, Justin Long, and Dane Cook, and all those actors. Um, a lot of them took a severe pay cuts to be in that movie. Because the budget for that movie was not that much. It wasn't exactly like a shoestring budget, but I think it was like around like a, it was like it was well below ten million dollars. It was, I mean, it was it was a low, fairly low budget feature length film. Um, but then even then, like as we spoke about last week with the uh, salaries and everything else, with um, the Animal Crackers movie, you know, Scott got these people involved with this movie and like all A list actors, and a lot of them got paid like a fraction of what they would actually you know get paid. The waiting had a budget of three million dollars. Waiting? Yeah. Okay. So now if you take into account like the crew, set design, catering, and everything else, because just because it took place in a restaurant, I'm not too sure if they used the restaurant to cook their own lunch. But um <laughs> But uh it's just I mean all the extras because there was a there was that dinner rush scene. Um mm-hmm. but there was a lot that went into that movie. So the fact that they got that done for $3 million along with distribution and it is still considered a fan favorite or I think it was considered at the time it was like the modern it was like a modern version like it was Clerks for a modern audience I think. Yeah, that's fair. One of those And then Clerks 2 came out the, the next business, year. If, if you're in that industry you relate to it hardcore. Yeah. 
And then Clerks 2 took that title back by coming out the year afterwards. <laughs> no but, Clerks um, is the Clerks for the new Clerks. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, so you have these actors. Now, what I say, Robert, like, there was a big thing that went about um, with, who was it? Um, I think it was James Gunn that said that, uh, like, any, was it James Gunn? Or was it J.J. Abrams? Somebody said that uh, anyone could play could have played Iron Man. It was a big, big thing this week. I must have missed that. Okay. Um, and to an extent, I, I believe that is true. Anyone, anyone can play Iron Man. Any person could play Iron Man. Could they do it? Robert Downey Jr. did. No, I don't think so. What Robert Downey Jr. brought to the table, just in the cave scene alone, you know, like he he went through things, like talking about like what he did in prison. He attributed like his playing a prisoner in that movie to what it was like being a prisoner, like you know, in real life. And very few people could do what Robert Downey Jr. did. That man destroyed his career. He was uninsurable. And even after filming Gothica, where he accidentally broke Halle Berry's arm, like just, you know, it's not like he did like in a drunken rage or he was coked up when he did it. It was, it was an accident. Accidents happen. But um, he still, his career was still like not where it could have been. So that right there could have ruined him. But he played Iron Man and Tony Stark and he just, Phoenix Rise basically. Like, I mean, it was like, rose from the ashes of a dead career like he just completely went above and beyond so is he worth the money that disney wanted to throw at him to reprise his role as iron man when he was already out of contract well you bet your ass because at that point it was whatever he wanted because disney needed him more than he needed them like his career his career was already relaunched But at the same time, just because Robert Downey Jr. is in a movie doesn't mean it's going to sell tickets. No. Just because Robert Downey Jr. is in the movie doesn't mean it's going to sell tickets, but Iron Man was in the movie. Robert, right. Downey, Robert Downey Jr. made a character that was never, like, I guess kind of at one point was a popular character way back when, but in recent decades, it was kind of like just like a side character somewhere. Um, he took that character and because of how he portrayed, you know, both Tony Stark and Iron Man, he made that character like uh, the, like the main face of the MCU all the way up until the point where Tony Stark sacrificed at the end of, um, end game spoilers, he dies. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, had people in theaters in tears. Like, me and Danielle came out of that movie theater, and she was staring at me crying and everything else, and it looked like I dumped her in the middle of the movie. Thankfully, there are a few other people whose uh, significant others were walking out with them that were also staring at them and sobbing hysterically, so I didn't look that bad. A lot of breakups happened that day. Yeah. <laughs> Babe, it's just a movie. You're single! <laughs> 
By the way, uh, before we continue, let's all just take a, a moment, just a singular moment, to thank John Favreau. Because without him, oh, yeah. the MCU would not be a thing. And without him, we would not have the Mandalorian. He did a great job you know what? putting together Iron Man, and he's the reason why we have what we have in the MCU. He set the bar. See, he set the tone. I take back what I said about James Cameron. John Favreau is the visionary. Yeah, Kevin Feige was the yes and no man, but you know what? John Favreau was the talent. So... So everybody send John Favreau with thank you card if you love the MCU. And if you see him walking down the street in Hollywood, hug him and say thank you and walk away. And maybe touch his butt a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm kidding. Don't touch his butt. God. (laughs) What I'm talking about is already considered assault. Now you just moved up to sexual assault. Ladies and gentlemen, do not assault nor sexually assault John Favreau, okay? Just thank him and walk away. But, <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. But to go back to the, to the, the question, the argument at hand, uh, people paid money to see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Yep. But that doesn't mean that people are going to pay money to see Robert Downey Jr. as anything else. Well, yeah, look at, uh, what was it? Um, Doolittle? Yeah, Doolittle. That movie flopped. It wasn't great. I, I, I sat through that thing. Eh. Well, it's, it's art. It's, it's, uh, it's subjective. But the thing is, is still, um, it, it didn't do well. It didn't perform well. Mm-mm. His seller was still pretty high for that movie. Because so was he worth his they'd be able to draw with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, certain things, it works. But it has to work in the confines of a franchise, in my opinion. Because, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean is nothing without Jack Sparrow. He has become the mascot of the series. Iron Man became the mascot and the connecting factor to the MCU, at least, like, the first few phases until the culmination of the ending of uh, Infinity War. Of, uh, I'm sorry, of Endgame. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause I mean, it's like, you know, he was like at the end, even, at, even at the end of, uh, the incredible Hulk, you know, that was a different studio. That wasn't, that wasn't Marvel. That, that was, I think, what was it? Uh, universal, I think universal. All right. So, um, it was owned by a different studio, but you know what? Tony Stark showed up at the end of, uh, the incredible Hulk to talk to uh, Thunderbolt, uh, Ross. Uh, so he was like the mascot of like Robert Downey Jr. was the mascot of the series. And he was also the connecting factor to Spider-Man, another exterior-owned uh, friend uh, property. So, but then it also showed, like you know, there was such a heavy presence of Iron Man and Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. I'm curious how often he gets mentioned in uh, in the new one. You know, Stark Tech is a big part of uh, Spider-Man's suit in the series, in the movies. Yeah. So, I'm curious how often he's going to get mentioned in this one, too. 
But um, but the thing is, is like you know, going going back at it, like you know, um, Johnny Depp made an astronomical amount of money for his participation in the uh, five entries of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Um, so in those instances, in a franchise form. Yes, I think your actor, if he's the mainstay of the franchise, is worth every penny that you can spare to get them on board to reprise the role. They may be exhausted, but you know what? They're actors. Not to discount their uh, their exhaustion. I mean, I get exhaustion. It sucks. And to do the same thing over and over again with acting, you're only getting older. You want to explore more roles. Remember when I wanted to be an actor when I acted in a bunch of things? I, I was only getting older, and I was aging out of things I was auditioning for. Um. But it's like one of those deals where if you're the mascot, like, I mean, you look at Robert Downey Jr. in 2008 when he played uh, Tony Stark for the first time, and you look at him in 2019, I think, when it was, yeah, 2019 when it came out, um, yeah. Endgame. You look at him in that, and it's like, wow, he has, and I know that it takes place five years in the future, you know, Endgame, uh, Endgame but um, still, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Started off when he was, uh, I think, 31, 32 years old playing uh, Wolverine. When he was done, he was 50 years old. Or pushing 50. But for other things, like, you know, if Robert Downey Jr. and The Judge with Robert Duvall. You know, I, I think Robert Duvall would be enough to sell that movie. Robert Downey Jr., yeah, he was good in it, but I think anyone could have played him in The Judge. He did a great job in that role. Did a fantastic job in that role. I don't think it'd be the same without him, but I think anyone could play that character. So let me ask you this. So, uh, what? You have, you know, say say you're a filmmaker. Okay. Say I it. pretend. Say it. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> and all right, what about it? You, you I'm going to add an ish. I'm going to add an ish to the end of that. I'm a filmmaker ish. But go ahead. Fine, don't play pretend. No wonder you weren't such a good actor. <laughs> I was so, a camera shy, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so you're a filmmaker, and you have X amount of dollars. Okay. You can put somebody in your movie for, let's say their asking rate is $25 million. Okay. Or you can find somebody that is just as good for the role, but not so well known. Listen, you're asking the wrong person because I actually like that great value cereal, okay? <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but it's comparable to the thing it's based on. So, <laughs> and what, what, Basically what I'm asking is, you have a chance to either be a feather in somebody famous's cap or launch somebody with this role. Would you rather yeah, I'm not going to be somebody just... or, you know, be a feather? Yeah, I'm not going to be a notch on someone else's belt, okay? I'll, I'll go with someone unknown. No, I think that, honestly, with, with me, I think it's more rewarding to work with people that are absolutely no one. I've worked on film sets 
and I've met some big name talents. And nine times out of ten, yes, the people I've actually interacted with and met, I could talk to and have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And they're really down to earth, really cool people. Just want to be regular people with cooler jobs, I guess, that pay a lot more. Um, then you have that one out of ten that is just so high and mighty. Um, I would honestly, I would rather work with, and like even them, like there's a lot of A-list talent um, that would rather work with new directors. They like working with new directors because they're usually much more open to suggestions from the actors. So, well, I guess that answers that question, then, doesn't it? I guess. I guess it does. Yeah, it's just, it's just to me, it's more. I don't think that actors are worth tens of millions of dollars for a single movie that is not intended to be a franchise. I don't think it's worth it. I, I don't see the point behind it. Like, I, I don't. I honestly. I do not see how some movies are made that cost millions of dollars. I mean, you have waiting that costs three million dollars. It it kind of stands the test of time. It, it like the message still transfers on to today. You know, with like customer service, how horrible some people are to waiters and bartenders. You know, that relationship that you have in restaurants. I used to be a waiter. I remember what that was like. I used to bartend. I remember what that was like. But um it's just one of those deals where that still holds up today from what I see in that industry. Clerks. Clerks 2. Those movies... Clerks 2, I think, cost like $4 million to make. If that's. Um, but it still holds up. Now, I can understand movies costing like a few million dollars to make now, but I cannot understand a big-budget movie that takes place in pretty much like maybe one or two locations just because you have to get these big named actors. Like directors, sure, I get it. Directors, you have prolific directors, you have prolific actors. Editors, composing, all that stuff. But there are some movies that, uh, there's a lot of movies that I've, I've watched that I'm thinking, you know, I don't see why this should cost so much money. Knives Out, I love Knives Out. I thought it was amazing. I don't see how it costs anywhere near as much as it did to make, outside of actors' fees. You know, effects heavy movies like The Matrix, I get it. <clears throat> Knives Out had a budget of $40 million. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a, for a film that takes place in one location. Well, Mostly in one location. Well, there are a lot of locations in Knives Out. Yeah, but it mainly takes place around that house, though. Mostly, yes. That's what I'm saying. Most of the movie takes place in that one location. There are other locations. There's plenty of them. But most of it takes place in that one location. But now, like, okay, I told you that I was, you know, everyone listening, I had talked to Josh, I was looking into some things, and I found out that... If I were to travel to Florida, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, if I were to travel to Florida, film permits in Duval County, in Jacksonville, cost nothing. Absolutely nothing. You just have to have insurance. And I was telling Josh, like, you know, a hurricane party. 
I have houses left and right that I have friends that live in them. Uh, there are like you know family owned. I have a lot of contacts and connections to like restaurants, bars, and everything else. That I remember like uh, Lynch's Irish Pub in Jacksonville Beach. They offered to let me film something, and they were way back when, and I did. All they asked is that I wait till the bar closed, and the owner and one of the bartenders would stick around so I could shoot like just like a quick little five minute sketch. And that's what we did. I, I, I slid them. I think like two hundred dollars just to keep the lights on for a little bit. You can't do that in Los Angeles. Like, there's no way in hell you're doing that out here. Um. But yeah, uh, it's just it was um, you know, so it was like going down to places like Florida. Like, you know, like I think also location has a, lar a large part to do with it. Like, you know, how much are actors getting paid? Like, what? What's the concept? Avatar, I get why Avatar costs so much damn money. First off, that is James Cameron's, uh, you know, baby. It's his, uh, you know, I don't know how realistic a franchise is ever going to be, considering the fact that, you know, James Cameron is getting older. But, you know, it's been, what, 10 years since the first one. Sam Worthington, I can't imagine how much he's going to get paid because, I mean, Sam Worthington hasn't exactly gone on to become, like, a household name like everyone thought he was going to be. Since the first Avatar, 10 years? Yeah. Mm, uh, he's, he's, done, he, he's done a couple things, but he's not, like, a household name. He's not, like, a big A-list, like, hardcore celebrity. He was, in a, he was in a couple things. Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans, Man on the Ledge, uh, Terminator, um, Salvation, uh, but it's he hasn't really like the first avatar, but he hasn't really been in really all that much of like I guess when it comes to big budget box office releases. Mm -hmm. So, so are you looking up Uh, no, huh? no. I was actually wondering if I could find a breakdown of certain movies' budgets, like how much of the Knives Out budget was allocated for cast, because it's a it's a it's a pretty big, as they used to say, it's a star-studded cast. Oh yeah, because you got Daniel Craig, you got Chris Evans, Anna De Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, yep. Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette. Uh, Christopher I forgot Plummer. Don Johnson was in. These these aren't exactly, you know, your Joe Schmoes from down the street. There's a lot of acting power here. And I imagine that would account for a, a better bit of the budget. Unless, of course, it was one of those situations yeah, exactly. where, you know, an actor's like, I'll forego my standard minimum and because I love the script so much I just want to be a part of this project I will take you know whether it's scale or just a scaled back uh, salary of something they're used to I, I, don't, I don't think anybody I mean let's talk Chris Evans real quick Chris Evans other than the the Marvel movies as Captain America you know Mm -hmm. Just, just we'll forget everything before 
Captain America, right? Okay. Uh, because it's irrelevant. Human Torch. Uh, what was uh, not another teen movie? We'll, we'll yeah. Just... yeah, his big breakout. His big breakout role. <laughs> oh God, Captain America in a whipped cream bikini. Other than Captain America, there are only <laughs> two movies that I can think of him being in. The first being Snowpiercer, well, yeah. and the other being Knives Out. Yeah. But compared to what he makes on a Marvel movie, I don't think either one of those films are going to be offering him his Marvel fee. So how do you how do you scale what you make from a major motion picture, a major blockbuster film where you are in an, an integral piece? to the story how do you scale that down to just a regular movie anymore well i mean like uh, i would i would assume like you know the budget negotiations and everything else let's know what the budget uh, entails and where the finances and the budget are being allocated to and what they um are permitting for like the cast alone not and mind you for everyone uh listening here you do not just focus this the budget solely on the lead you have to worry about extras you have to worry about like you know background extras that talk you have to focus about like you know like are, are there severe weather conditions that these extras are going to be in everything is a, everything is a line item um per person so with that like i, mean, I would assume like they would just like figure out okay well this is how much you have like so do you think that this is how much you could afford to pay me you know, and then okay, you can't pay me that much. So, how about I cut my salary down to this, and in return, maybe I can just have five percent off of the overall gross of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's ample ways to negotiate that. There's tons of ways. Like I mean, it's like I, I you know. So, I mean, th- those are things I would imagine would be things that you would have to say to someone like Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Johnny Depp, all of them. Because, mind you, Johnny Depp was also in uh, the two chemist meth entries from his podcast um, uh, brand uh, Tusk with uh, Tusk and, uh, yeah, Yoga Hosers. So he was that inspector. Um, he uh, And he was also, he returned as his character that he, you know, like, was in uh, 21 Jump Street for 22 Jump Street. So... <clears throat> No, no, no. It was 21 Jump Street, right? Like That's when he made yeah. his reappearance when he was killed. 21 Jump Street. Um, he didn't get paid that much for that role either. So, yeah, spoiler from, spoiler from like a 2011 movie. Uh, but <laughs> if you had not watched Jump Street in uh, the last uh, 10 years, I'm sorry. But I was about <laughs> to watch it. Damn you. If anything, it's like a very, very small part, and uh, well, it's not like he was barely in the movie. He was in the movie. He was there throughout the movie. You just didn't know it was him. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, like I would imagine, like the negotiations is a huge part because again, Jack Nicholson six million dollars for um, Batman nineteen eighty nine, but because of his agreements for the gross and for uh, merchandising, he walked away with like fifty million dollars for that role. Right. So, 
uh, I believe that that still comes down to like to this day. I believe that even comes down to like DVD sales. So if I'm not mistaken, he still makes money off that movie today. Not much, but some. Um, but yeah, like I mean, you had like what was it uh, with uh, Scream? You had a whole bunch of no names outside of uh, Nev Campbell and a handful of other people, Drew uh, Drew Barrymore, who was used to sell the movie. They used a the hell out of Drew Barrymore to promote the movie. Oh, yeah. She was in it for like five minutes, <clears throat> but um, but yeah, like I mean, it's like it really just it, it comes down to that. Like Drew Barrymore, like if she's only in it for five minutes and they're using her to promote the whole damn movie, I think she's worth whatever she's willing, like whatever she's asking for, so long as it's not like ludicrous. Um, because I mean, honestly, she was the big selling point. Drew Barrymore was hot as shit back then. She was like a big name, like and she still is. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um, but she had some weight. Nev Campbell was right there next to her. Big 90s, you know, heartthrob for boys everywhere from Party of Five. Skeet Ulrich was not that big of a name. Matthew Lillard wasn't a big name. Yeah, he had, like, you know, huh? Yeah, pre Scooby Doo. Post Pre Scooby Doo, post Hackers. But, um,. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's it, that's really what I would imagine. Like, and that's now if the, if the actor is negotiating in any format, if he's negotiate he or she's negotiating with um, gross merchandising, whatever, and they walk away with like tens of millions of dollars, you know what? Go them. Yes, they're they're worth every ounce of that because they negotiated that. But yeah, I mean, so my answer to our very much danced around question for the episode is, yes, I think actors are worth it. Um, in a franchise, they're worth what they um, are offered. Especially someone like, again, like Robert Downey Jr., Johnny Depp, uh, Keanu Reeves. Because Keanu Reeves with another franchise like um, John Wick, yeah, he's worth what he's making. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals. Like, I mean, it's, you have to take care of the, you know, you have to take care of the lead star and the lead supporting uh, cast. But when it comes to like a solo film and everything else, a solo flick, then no, I, I, I think that you should, I think there should be negotiations. And if they make a lot of money on the back end of the deal, then go them. That's awesome. You know, Scarlett Johansson didn't make that much money from uh, Under the Skin. Um, I don't think she made that much money from The Jungle Book. But, you know, as Scarlett Johansson, as Black Widow, she's worth every penny she makes because, you know, she's... Scarlett Johansson in her own way, she's kind of a badass. So she may have a stunt double, but she still does a lot of active things in those movies. So I think uh, what we learned here today is that we don't we, we, we won't say that actors aren't worth the money 
If you can afford them, get them, right? Yep. It'll get eyes on your project, whether or not that translates to ticket sales. That's a different thing, but at least people will talk about it. But on the other hand, when it comes to you have a standalone project and somebody's like, we want $40 million for our appearance. Oh, yeah. Maybe you go with a cheaper option, depending on what your ultimate goal is. Because if we've tried to teach anybody anything here at the Wandcast, it's not always about dollars and cents when it comes to your projects. Yes, it's it's nice to to make a tidy profit. But when you see individuals put out a lackluster and maybe even bomb-worthy film. Say a director and an actor that get together and, and produce a flop. Yeah. And the thing that ultimately comes from that collaboration is a friendship. You know what? That That's too much of a word. A, a working relationship. And you have two people yep. that are now willing, they're networked. And they're like, let's let's do something, except let's do something good this time. And that, that, could, that could be a signifier for future success and ultimately the, the, the big win in the long run. Because I, I can't imagine, especially when it comes to directing, that there are a lot of directors that you know, make their first movie and it's a huge hit, right? But we'll say Judd Apatow. I think this is a good example. Judd Apatow. Maybe not the biggest hit ever when when he started directing. Um, But you know what? Connections were made, right? There you go. <clears throat> no, no, absolutely. But I think, like, you know, and again, that's how the industry works, though. It is all about connecting, mingling, getting to know people, meeting people, not being a dick. Like, actually, like, you know, making friends in the industry. That's how jobs are created. That's how jobs are furthered. Good. You said it better than I could because I am tired. Now I'm right there with you. And I, like I said, I got to go back to work tonight. Um, <clears throat> but no, it's like the thing is, is you go to events. Like, okay, we have our project in a, in a film festival right now. The film festival will be taking place in September. Whether or not I am... Whether whether or not like our project is uh, a winner, I still intend to go to this film festival. Like I'm still going, to, I'm still going to attend it. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to do, shake hands, meet people, say hi. If it is someplace, if it's going to be held someplace public, I, I've, I've got to look back. I've got to look it back up and see if it's going to be held uh, a place where people can actually go and attend this uh, award ceremony. Um, cause I believe that you, I believe that you and I are still in the running with this, correct? Yeah. 
we we haven't been disqualified okay. yet. Yay! So, and we'll find out like if we're if we even make anything on the sixteenth. But um, but so I know that the actual like contest itself takes place in the ceremony of it takes place in September, and it's here in it's here in Hollywood. So, I will gladly go to this and meet people, say hi. You know that is how we have our bad agent Simon. That's how we have Brian. Mark met him at a at a festival, and Mark recommended him to me. Mm-hmm. And here we are, two years later, um, trying to get this up off the ground as an actual, like you know, whatever. But um. <clears throat> Divulge way too much information right now, but uh, either either way, like that is how, huh? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Call me Tom Holland. <laughs> but no, it's like the thing is, is like it's all about mingling. It's all about shaking hands, making friendships, making like you know, just like getting to know other people. Like I'm very thankful for everyone I've met in the industry. You know, I mean, it's like it's. Some people have not really been very so like you know haven't really had a whole lot of substance, but they were great lessons. You and I know one very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other people have been great sources uh, to have. And uh, yeah, that's I mean that's how everything works. I mean like and once you get those connections, then you can get those people that normally have very very high salaries. And get them to do it for a, you know, not as much as that. So, but either way. So I think that we have definitely covered a lot of ground here, despite our uh, trailing off periodically. That's what we do. I know. A bunch of like, it's like a bunch of like Alzheimer's patients just like having a conversation most of our episodes. Oh, that could be. I don't feel bad about that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, then why don't you uh, tell everybody where to find you on social media so they can respond yep. to that Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's comment. <laughs> so you can. Well, that was convenient. Brandon, we lost you. Okay, well, uh... Yeah, you, here I am. Yeah, there you are. Sorry, I somehow my, sorry, I somehow, somehow my phone turned off. No, but, uh, no, you can find me on Instagram, on uh, bjacksman82. Uh, you can also find the Wadcast on Instagram at uh, the Wadcast. It's a black picture with a white band that says Wadcast in it. Um, I don't use my Twitter. I'm horrible at Twitter. But when I do use the Twitter once a year, it is, uh, I think, you can't ground me? I think that's what it is. I'm not too sure. But um, that's pretty much it. My Facebook is my Facebook. You know, like, you know, I mean, you'll see me sharing our stuff. So that's my Facebook page. I don't really accept many friend requests. I've got lots of them pending. But, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Josh, how about you? Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Skitcomic or at Simicore Studios or at Wadcast Pod. And if you go to Facebook to 
to do the facebook.com slash podcast as it's seen on the screen. Uh, don't forget to give it a like. Same goes for facebook.com slash Studios. Give it a like. That way you know when we go live each and every time a podcast goes on the air. If you want to wear some stuff with logos on it from us, there's the address right there on the screen, tpublic.com slash user slash semicore. You can get all the latest, greatest wadcast apparel there. And if you feel like doing something on a more regular basis, say donating a dollar a month, a dollar, there it is, patreon.com slash semicore. That way... We can do stuff like fix my webcam or replace it. That will be uh, where I guess I send you. I'm not. I'm not happy being a shill for myself, but you know what? Things are getting a little pricey. Things need to get replaced, and every little thing that gets added to the coffers goes directly to helping improve the things that we do here so if you find it in your heart and and to to find four quarters a month that's that would be super and there are of course other options for more with varying um, tiers of rewards programs i guess but it's all there on the patreon page if you want to give it give it an old look-see uh, in the meantime, I guess this has been the Wadcast, Writers, Actress, Director, Podcast, episode number 60. We've done it 60 times now, Brandon. Yes, we have, Josh. So with that, I will uh, send us out with our final thoughts. There it is, right there, final thoughts. Remember, boys and girls, the only thing standing between you and your dreams is you. The only thing left to do is to do it. If you're a writer, write your thing. If you're an actor, go out and act. Go to Craigslist, find an acting job. doesn't matter how big or small. You're not going to start off making hundreds or tens of millions of dollars. Sometimes you just got to show up and make ten bucks for a day. But at least you're getting on your way. You're, You're pursuing the thing that you love. The only way to fail is to never do it. Otherwise, the future is wide open. The only thing you have to do is get off your butt and go get it. Once again, everybody, thank you for joining us this week on the podcast. I've been Josh. That's Brandon. I hope everybody has a wonderful week, and hopefully we'll be back on our usual time, Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Ycast Facebook page. Good night.